I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Laura Bradburn and as always I am joined by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing Tony? 
Very well, Laura, yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. And we are joined once again by Jim. Or how are you doing, Jim? Good, Laura. Good to be back, yeah. Good to be back. Good to have you back. What's to catch up on uh, a defeat and a comfortable victory? The, the, the kind of course of the season so far as it has been. Uh, kind of up and down in every single way. We'll come to you first, Tony, on it. Um, you did your, your man-by-mans for, for Celtic Way last night. I uh, a brief brief summary from you of how you thought the game went. I thought Celtic were always comfortable. First 20 minutes, people were getting a bit agitated, but, you know, it took a class goal, and it was a class goal. Beautiful pass from James McCarthy, you know, who's, again, came in for a bit of criticism. A lovely ball to Jota, and once the first goal was in, that's it. They, you could sense the kind of you know collective sigh of relief from the fans as well, and everybody just relaxing on it, you know. And I thought that the only surprise was it was maybe not more, but they they, they did a professional enough job, if not clinical. No people saying that's only the championship, but in cup games you're on a hiding to nothing with these kind of games. You win six nothing, people don't bat an eyelid. You know you you comfortably win three nothing. People are, you know, still looking for possible negatives, but they did the job. Got to the semi-final, first semi-final for Ange and the players. So that's the, that's the the big positive, and that's what you take. And I, I, my man by man's, I, I thought McCarthy and Jota were were the standouts, and Cameron Carter Vickers continues to impress, and Liam Scales and Adam Montgomery. Notable mentions, uh, Montgomery I like, I really like Montgomery, I don't think he's ever let him down when he's been asked to perform the role and Liam Scales for what little he was on the park, he, he, was, he was okay, he, he did fine and mm-hmm. you know, fairly confident in him moving forward. Yeah, it was a, it was a strange game, uh, like you said, I, I don't think anybody had a bad game, I think we... Uh... Kind of took her foot off the gas as as you are sometimes want to do when you go three 0 up early in the second half. But you know, I was encouraged by some of the signs that I saw. Jim, did you manage to make it to the game last night? What were your thoughts on what you saw? Yeah, I think as Tony said, you aren't hiding to nothing when a team the league below you. You're expected to win the game. It's all about qualifying for the next round, and uh, I think it was a very functional performance. I think they did what they had to do, and and move on to the next round, and. Uh, Hopefully we get to the final. So yeah, it's it's one of these games. It's it's, it's kind of hard to get excited about because mm-hmm. because you're playing a lower league club and as Tony said, if you win six nothing, people just so what? If you win one nothing, they'd be you know they'd be going the opposite way. So it's just about getting through and we'll go through, which is the main thing. Yeah, um, Tony mentioned uh, Liam Skills coming off the bench, and we'll talk about him a little bit first. Um, I thought he looked very assured on the ball the little that we did see of him and, and you know obviously taking into account the calibre of the opposition but Jim what were your thoughts on skills given this is the first time I've seen him in a Celtic shirt It looks okay but as you said given the quality of the opposition well three goals up at the time it was you know it's a good time to get the guy on the park uh, I don't think you can tell too much from that I mean let's see him if, if, he, if he's playing against Hibs or Aberdeen away from home let's see what he's like then so uh, he looked okay. He looked okay. Yeah, he did. He did look okay. Tony, the the, the thing about that is, and, and me and Jim have both qualified our thoughts on on skills by saying, you know, he was playing against a lesser opposition. But Carol Starfelt was playing against that same lesser opposition and didn't look quite as assured on the ball. There's a bit of a debate coming up, and I can see it in the comments. It, it was happening last night after the game. 
What are your thoughts on potentially, you know, Scales taking taking that centre back position off Starfelt? Are we getting too excited too early, or do you think it's something that's a possibility? It's always a possibility because Liam Scales can play that position, and the manager knows that. But uh, you know, uh, Starfelt had a dodgy ten minutes, fifteen minutes for me last night. You know, and after that, he was fine. Mm. I think he, I think he looks really comfortable beside Cameron Carter Vickers. You know, it doesn't help when you're chain, chopping and changing the defence every week, and you're playing with a different partner as Starfelt has. You know, and I, I had my initial, you know, kind of pop at Starfelt when he first came, but I think the more he plays, he'll settle into it and he'll, he'll become the defender that we hope. You know, I, I just feel that at this stage he's, he's becoming a bit of a whipping boy. Yeah, you know, for for no apparent reason, because Celtic haven't really given away many goals, have they? This season, no. and I can't remember all of them being Starfelt's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe one or two that you can point the finger at and see, but that happens with defenders. Defenders make mistakes; they switch off. Sometimes you get punished. So we need we need to kind of get behind this guy, and you know, I think he's one of these guys that every every fault that he's making, people are picking up on it. Because they've been quick to criticise him. You know, he's came from another country to play his football, different football and culture altogether. So there is a bedding in process. No people see probably should have bedded in now, but I think there's still lots to like about Starfelt, you know, and he's he's slowly but surely finding his way and you know, yeah, he had a bad ten minutes. First ten minutes last night he looked a bit comfortable and uncomfortable, sorry, and you no know, made a hash of passes and all that, but you know, I, I put it down some players still get nervous. And I quite like that because that can be a good thing too. It can bring the best out in you. So I think you just kind of calm it down a wee bit with them. And I know I had a you know an early kind of pop at him, but I've kind of taken a step back and cut him some slack on that. And you know, I, But as far as Liam's scales go, you know, you, you can't judge mm. on, you know, 20 minutes against Wraith Rovers. But mm. if the manager deems that Carol Starfelt needs to come out and Liam Scales can form a partnership with Cameron Carter Vickers, then that, that's up to the manager. And, and I always qualify that by saying they watch these guys in training every day. So that will convince them whether he's going to do that moving forward or not. Yeah. And also, you need a settle back four yeah. to mm. try and move on. I think Starfield has been unjustly criticised. Yeah. I think he, he scored that daft own goal at AZ. And I think just in the same way that you're saying that you can't judge Liam Scales in a game like last night, the two hardest games we've had is AZ away and Ibrooks, and I think Starfield played really, really well in both of those games. So he makes a mess of 10 minutes against Wraith Rovers, who cares, basically. So I think yeah. you're judged on the big games, and I think he did really well in those two big games. Uh, Coming against Hearts, his debut, maybe we'd have made a mess of the first tackle, but, but you know, I think we need to get off his back. I think as a, as a support, I think we just have to calm down about, about the whole thing. I think every week, people get really high and really low, we just have to breathe. <laughs> you know, it's like this. We're only six league games in. There's 38 games. It's, it's like stepping stones. You know, we we'll get another 32 stepping stones to go. And I think we just need to relax because I've not been on last week. I just feel as if, you know, when I go on social media, we're either the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. <laughs> the answer's in between somewhere. And I think we just need to just need to calm down. And I think maybe the two 6 0 victories thought, oh, oh, the big chaps cracked it <laughs> after only a few games. Maybe they are the exceptions. And maybe the game, I was at the Ross County game uh, two weeks ago now, and I thought maybe that's how we're going to play, where we play some nice, neat football with not a lot of penetration, but we, we win the games. 
And I've, I've got no issues with games at home. I think we'll do okay. It's the games away. And I said, after the Hearts game, he has to have two teams. He has to have a team for home, which will score goals for fun. And he has to be able to you know, just do something. He has, to, he has to tweak his system in some ways for the games away from home. Because it looks as if we're going to struggle. And the Livy game last week was a perfect example. Albeit, the squad is still really light. And in terms of and we'll get a, unfortunately, a few injured players at the moment as well. So, but we need to crack that away again because we're going to Petrodi soon, we're going to Easter Road soon, we're going to Fir Park soon. So, so keep that back four, Vickers, Starfelt, and who knows what the fullbacks are going to be. <laughs> Yeah, the, the fullbacks is a, a good uh, conversation point and one we'll come on to a bit later. I know that me and Paul John uh, talked about that a bit in the, the the post-match coverage last night. Didn't really come to any conclusions, but when do we ever run this show? <laughs> we just kind of keep the conversation going. But Jim, I'll come back to you on that and, and Tony, I'll get your thoughts in a second. Going back to the Livingston game, what about the Livingston game was it for you that was, you know, that meant we didn't get the victory in comparison to last night. What were the differences you saw in the way we were playing away from home to the way we do play at home? I just said I think the squad is still light. Uh, I think when I saw the team last week playing on the plastic pitch, the tight pitch, the physicality of Livingston, I thought we might struggle here today. You look what's on the bench, you think there's not much there as well. I know there was a lot of things on social media about the substitutions should be made earlier and ball and goal and all this kind of stuff, but it's not as if we had Larson and Sutton on the bench. Mm. You know, you're only going to bring these kind of guys on. So you bring on Ralston or you bring on Montgomery, will they make that much of a difference? No, really, because I don't think we have the players there. And I think the mentality is a big thing. I don't think we have a strong mentality, a strong enough mentality in the team because the thing that I think is dead obvious, and Tony and I agreed with this a while ago, that we should have kept Scott Brown. Not to play every game, but to try and influence things in there, possibly a mentor to Sorrow, maybe work with Ange, because he has got the, that kind of mentality. And anyone joining Celtic... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Four or five years ago, we're walking into a team full of guys who are mentally strong winners. You know, and if things are going bad, these are the guys that, that help to pull you through. So if you're a, a new guy coming in, if you're a Jota or you're a badder, who are you looking to to help you pull through? You know, Ralston, Taylor, Turnbull, a Yeti? 
these guys aren't strong mentally, so we don't have enough mentally strong players for me. And up against Livingston, who are pretty mentally strong, they know how to defend, uh, they know how to play on that pitch. And when you saw the team, you thought, not enough players there of a mm. decent mental strength and skill as well. Obviously, Cal McGregor wasn't playing, Kyogo wasn't playing, and you think, if those two players are out of the team, are, are, are we going to struggle? That's a big concern I have. I mean, we're only six games in, and as I said, I think we should relax uh, and see and see how things go. But I, I just think, and you only get that strong mentality by winning games and going a long, unbeaten run where you then feel confident that we will win these games. Whereas if you every time you go away from home, you lose. Psychologically, you're thinking not that confident, and then when you lose a goal. You think, how are we going to get us back? Who's going to help us get us back? Who are the guys that are going to drag us through this game? I don't know if we've got that many players like that. And you need that to win the league. I mean, our main rivals across the city, they've got players like that that will dig out results. I mean, I think we beat Ross County, they went up at St. Johnson, didn't they? You know, mm-hmm. one goal down, half an hour to go, they bring it back. I'm not so sure I can see that in the Celtic team, which is a concern. Yeah, it does seem like a concern. Um, David Maloney on on LinkedIn, he's commented, and remember, you can watch uh, us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, LinkedIn, a bunch of different places. Uh, David Maloney has commented, are we expecting too much from what is a threadbare squad? Lots of fellas who are not match fit. So that that speaks to your point, Jim. Tony, where do you stand on this? Is it is it a threadbare squad? Is it injuries? Is it mentality? Are those the things that we're struggling with at the moment or is it a combination of the lot? Multiple choice. Answer E, all of the above. <laughs> I think you'll find if, if you've been asked a question like that. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more with Jim. I actually think as well that, we've, and to touch upon what Jim's saying, I think a wee bit of an identity crisis as well. Mm. Don't know what we are in terms yeah. of team-wise, you know, and... Jim spoke about it there about losing Scott Brown. I also think as well there's a big thing. You know, you lose that kind of Scottish influence as well. I don't know if there's enough Scottish players in the team. And I mean good players. And I'm talking about maybe guys like you know, Lewis Ferguson, something like that, Alan Campbell, you know, guys that it kinda they know it, they get it, you know, to to dig you out a hole. I looked around Livingston and total lack of leadership, you know. Never lack, you never lacked leadership with Scott Brown. You wouldn't have lacked it if Callum McGregor had been playing. You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, and I, I, I touch upon that, that we're, we're just struggling to find our identity. We know what we want to be as a football team, but we're kind of the sum of parts just now. And that sum of the parts is not equal in the whole, if you get what I mean, which is why we're up there one minute, down there the next. You know, and when Livingston scored on Sunday... I turned to my dad and I said, I don't know if you'll recover this. And Livingston scored, what, 25, 26 minutes in? Yeah. And he looked at me and he was like, nah, we'll be all right. And and like Jim, you looked at the bench and you thought, there's no game changers. And up until 71 minutes, the manager didn't do anything to affect the game. He watched the same game unfold, which was a concern as well. You know, you, you have to do something. You have to find a way of coping with the away games and we all know the squad's threadbare and it's light you know but you, somehow we have to do something and, and kind of find out who we are first and foremost as a football team and that's not a criticism just observations in terms of when it's good it's very good 
but when it's bad, it comes off the rails pretty spectacularly, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I think that's the kind of, the truth does lie somewhere in between, but we have to find a consistent way of playing, but above all else, we have to find a consistent way of playing and winning. Yeah. You know, this this up and down, you know, it's it's no good. It's still certainly no good for the supporters and it'll be no good for the manager, you know, because this 50% win ratio, it's, uh, you know, you and that, that's what you're criticising. You're not criticising the manager or the process. No, you're criticising the, the, the win ratio, you know, or, or losing ratio, whatever way you want to spin it. Because at this moment in time, it's no good enough. And I know it's early and there's lots of games left. So, But we have to address it quickly because we say we've got a month coming up where we go to Pitodre, Fir Park and Easter Road in that order. And at this moment in time, how many Celtic supporters are confident of winning all three or two out of three or even one out of three? If you did a straw poll, I think you'd be surprised with the answers to it. Mm. Just to just to come back to what you were saying about Scott Brown, just briefly before we move on to the next topic, you know, I, I, I get the point that people make about him being a leader and being, you know, inspirational and things like that. The only thing I have in opposition to that is he wasn't that much of a leader or an inspiration last season. Do you do you think even with the performance last season that he could still have provided something positive for the squad? Me? Uh, Jim, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. Uh, I think if you look at something like James McCarthy, uh, I would imagine James McCarthy is earning more than Scott Brown earned last year. And I'm not saying James McCarthy is not a good player. Obviously, he's got a good pedigree in the EPL, but playing for Celtic is a bit different. He's been playing for teams where most weeks if you pick up a point here and there, that's pretty good. So again, that's getting back to the mentality thing, I think, of playing for Celtic. And uh, I just think this year, I, I'm kind of, I think we have to have a go at Ange when it's justified to have a go at Ange. But if we don't win the league this season, to me, it's Lowell's legacy. This is all done at Lowell. Mm. And how much of a shambles he made last season. And the amount of time it took to appoint a new manager. Uh, and the guy's on his own. The big chap's on his own. You know, no sports science, no recruitment, uh, no fitness coaches with a chief executive for two minutes and then he disappears. He's got a backroom staff where we don't know how good, bad or indifferent they are. He's in a foreign country. The big chap's doing everything on his own. And it's, it's, a, it's a... And having somebody like Scott Brown there... I think might have helped off the park as well as on the park. We talk about Sorrow, Sorrow's about a headless chicken. I mean, Brown could have mentored him. Mm. You know, so I think he could have contributed to this season. He wouldn't have played every single game. But under a good manager, and you saw the manager before Neil Lennon get a lot out of Scott Brown. You know, and I think Ange Postacoglu, whatever you might think of him, he's an intelligent, articulate man. I think he's I, I think I think he's really, really good. And I think he's got an astonishingly difficult job. I think he's making it a really good fist of it. The results are not great. But if you take, as I said, I'm a bit, <laughs> bit concerned about the ups and the downs. You know, we're either great or we're either terrible. You look at the team that was on the park against Livingston last week, you look at the bench and tell me that a different manager might have got more out of that team. Maybe puts the subs on earlier. What subs? Montgomery, Rawson. Mm. Are you really going to make that much of a difference? Why are we playing ball and goalie? And he's been training every day. He must be doing okay. And training, he's on a lot of money. You know, go on there, son, and earn your keep. You know, and he fits into Andy's system. So those are the guys that will go it. 
And as I said, when I saw the team last week, Sunday, and saw the bench, you thought, this might be difficult today. And, and it was difficult. And I don't blame the manager for that. You can see, maybe if you made a sub-10 minutes earlier, as I said, who would you brought on? Would he be the difference? You know, so I'm going to cut the manager lots of slack. Because to me, it's low. This is all down to him. And my theory is, 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 is basically that I, this season is kind of what I expected after this length of time. Because if you look back at last season, the team that won the league, deservedly so, extraordinarily good season. 102 points on the board. I said, before the season started, I'd expect them to be 10, 12 points less this season. Run about the low 90s or so. We had an extraordinarily bad season last year. 77 points. If we get our act together, you can add 10, 12 points to that. High 80s. There will not be much in it. The Glasgow derbies will be a major, major game. We have to flip how that worked last year. But six games in, and the last time I was on, is the reason that we're optimistic as Celtic fans is because the major rivals had lost at Tandice. Mm. That's kept us in it. And also they blew the chance to, to bring in £40 million. So in terms of comparing this season with last season, they went unbeaten last season, took them two games to lose that unbeaten record. They had a 100% home record last year, took them three games to lose that record. They hardly lost any gold last year. They're losing no, quite a few goals this season. So that's what gives me a bit of hope. Not, not what we're doing, but the fact that they're not at that kind of level that they were last season. And that's how we won the league back in 1998. You know, yeah. we stopped their 10 because basically it's all about trying to put as many points on the board as you can and hopefully your main rivals don't put that many on. And back in 1978, we didn't have that good a season, but they had a worse season. Mm. And that's what keeps me optimistic because if we were... <laughs> up against a team that were playing the way they played last season, we would be nine points down and the league would be finished. And last week was, you know, not great, but we kind of lost one relevant, sorry, one relative point to the opposition. And who's to say they go to Dundee tomorrow and drop a couple of points and we win the Sunday and it's back to two. We're all happy again. You know, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I think we have to breathe and just take each game as it comes. I think the problem with last week, Jim, was the actual nature of the performance it was really insipid and the manager watched it for 71 minutes without actually doing a thing and by the time he did something it was very late and you were scrambling and struggling to, to, to get a point and I get the point that we don't have much but whatever options you have on the bench there are always options you could have did a few things and I was lambasted for suggesting Monday that you could have put Cameron Carter Vickers up top and went long you know, and just try to play off second balls. And I know it goes against every five, but you were chasing a point, you know. A point would have ended up being a good result at Livingston, but you lost. But mm-hmm. he kind of, he watched that train go by and, and really did did nothing. Or a badder, you've said that a badder's gone off for him. Why not then play a badder through the middle? You know, you, you, you could have you could have done two or three different things, right? But maybe even more. And I know you're limited with the players that you have. And that is all down to the board and lack of preparation and lack, lack of numbers and I get all that but I'm talking about actually influencing a football match as a manager and what you're paid to do and I think that's why Celtic supporters gave Ange criticism for the first time you know I don't think it's criticism for the sake of it it was just the nature of that performance whereas in every other away performance you could say well they've actually played okay and spells and they've turned up mm. for the whole 90 minutes in that game Celtic were pretty rank rotten You've got, mm. to, got, to, got to concede that. And I, I wouldn't think disagree with that. No, I, and I think that's what the counter... Because I, as well, say that 
can he just turn and say, oh, it's the manager's fault, stuff like that? But you have to turn around and say, when results aren't what you would expect, then he has to sort of... And I thought the manager should have carried the can for Sunday in terms of not reacting to a situation which he just watched for 71 minutes and then decided, I need to do something, but didn't do much to shake it up. That was all. So I think that's... you know. But I, I agree in terms of, yep, what you've said about the manager and stuff, and he is fighting it alone, and he's, he's got all these, and he's hamstrung, and he's he's also had to contend with a horrendous injury list. That I'm on board with all of that, but I would just like to see. I thought they were poor last week. I mean, I, I totally yeah. you on know, board so, with what you said there. Unacceptable performance, but you know, the other point I'd like to make is, is the fact that what we said in, in seasons going by is that a number of players were pushed really hard. Kieran Tierney, Forrest, all these kind of guys. Uh, we just come back from playing in the kind of sweltering heat of uh, Seville. Montgomery played the whole game. Wilson played the whole game. So I'm assuming what would normally happen like that, you'd, all these players would go and visit a fitness coach or a sports science guy for him to assess where we think they are with these guys. Maybe don't play them on Sunday or give them 10 minutes of and just having to do this himself. Yeah. Mm. He's making these judgments. And the big chap that got injured last night in the warm up. <laughs> the warm-up. You know, you know, should should he have been involved anyway? At all. <laughs> at all. I don't know. And just making that decision. You know, so he's having to <laughs> assess the fitness of players as well. He's a one man band just now. And he's going to get things wrong. Absolutely. But maybe he looked at Montgomery and Ross and said, You're absolutely knackered from Seville the other night. You know, just leave this one out, guys, or whatever. But I do accept the fact he could have changed things. I don't think the cards he has to play are that good. Mm. And I just think the fact that he's getting left on his own. And there was a bit of the game where, where you saw him, he just, he just looked dead lonely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he, he wasn't looking for help from, from Kennedy or Strachan. It was all on him, you know. And he's got the hardest, he's one, one of the hardest footballing coaches' jobs out at the moment, trying to resurrect this team and he's getting hung out to dry right left and centre by the board etc etc so yes by all means have a go at the big chap I don't mind that at all uh, but uh, I'm, I'm just dead sympathetic towards him and we'll get there I think most Celtic supporters are though to be fair yeah I think know, so, so yeah. Yeah. We'll, still on we'll get there we'll get there it's an interesting few points you need. I'm I'm I've spoken to you about this Tony numerous times I'm very much if there's such a thing as an inch bus I'm very much on it and uh, but I think your criticisms are valid and I think uh, I think there's a, there's a middle ground to be found somewhere where we accept that he has not made brilliant game to game decisions at times but that he is uh, working uh, with sort of things that are in circumstances that are making his life more difficult Lanky67 and Danielle Farrelly on YouTube both commented uh, in agreement with each other that they think that the appointment of um, a sports scientist to help him out as as Jim raised the point uh, just before there might be um, might be helpful for him so for anybody who didn't hear obviously earlier in the week Celtic appointed um, ex-Morton um, and uh, ex-Morton boss uh, Anton McElhone as head of sports science. Um, Tony, I'll come to you first on this. It was something that Ange specifically raised in a press conference a few weeks ago that a sports scientist was um, was it something that he was looking to appoint. 
it was actually something that when he said it, I, I wondered what his thoughts were on the overall level of the staffing and the and the work being done behind the scenes at the club was. Given the injury record that we've seen and the, the lack of proper handling of players that we've seen over the years, you know, overplaying a, an older Scott Brown, overplaying um, Callum McGregor, overplaying Kieran Tierney to the point where he had m- multiple injuries, I think... I think something like a sports science department is something that's been sorely lacking at the club long before Ange came in. Um, are you encouraged to see that appointment being made, Tony? And, and do you think it's going to help us quite a bit in the longer term? Without a doubt, that's just clearly something that's been needed for a long time. And also as well, uh, Ange wouldn't have mentioned it if he didn't think he needed it. Mm. And I think as well, you if you trust this manager and this is the man that you believe is going to be there for a long-term future. And I, I think if he's asking for various demands, as long as they're no outrageous, then you accede to them, don't you? Sports scientist, yep, grant you that. You know, uh, a number two, because someone made a point the other day that Celtic haven't actually really made any managerial changes except swap one in and one out. Mm. don't actually have an assistant manager or a number two or an assistant coach or whatever you want to call it. We have swapped Lennon for Ange, and that's it. Now, I agree wholeheartedly with Jimmy. He does need help, and he needs, and, and I think he, it would be beneficial to him to bring in a trusted lieutenant, a right-hand man. Most football clubs function with that. You know, so I, I think it, it wouldn't be unreasonable if Ange was to turn around and say, can I get a number two, and can I get this guy? And Celtic should say, yep, yeah, you can, you can bring that. And then you get the matter of players. Now, you know fine well, we can speculate all you want about the players that have came in. You know fine well the one player that he has identified was Kyogo. So he's clearly got an eye for a player. Mm. So I would even trust his judgment on that. When when January comes round and we say, right, have you got a list? There's my list. Who can we get out of that? You know, so... But I would, I would say to the manager at this moment in time, because I think Jim's right, you, you look at him and he does look sometimes forlorn and they needs a bit of help. So I would, be, I would be having that conversation with him and saying, right, Ange, what do you need? How can we help you? You know, because you are buoyed by the fact that Rangers aren't firing on all cylinders and it might not actually take that much for Celtic to go toe-to-toe and possibly overtake Rangers this season. But you have to address things as you're going along. Sports scientists, yep. A number two, yep. More players in January, yep. Address their away form, yeah. Things like that. But if this, if the manager and the board can have that conversation and it's amicable and it's cordial, then yeah. Helping with anybody coming in to the staff is going to help the manager. And I think that's what he needs. He needs help because you look at him and you, there are things that he's, he's done since he came in that you've been really impressed by so you want him to be armed with every tool possible and you know I'm not saying if he doesn't win the league then you know that's it you know but I, I think if Ange is given every tool that he's disposable and given a fighting chance then he can certainly make a fist of it for the title this season and could conceivably win it because he's only got Rangers to beat and a Rangers side that aren't the force of nature that they were last season. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I think, you know, 
there's been enough to see from Ange that he has the right attitude. As Jim said earlier, he speaks very eloquently and very intelligently. And like you say, I think giving him everything at his disposal to help him do the job that he needs to do could only be to our benefit. I think that's the thing stopping, stopping him. Sorry, Jim, on you go. Also, Laura, I think it's an absolute scandal what's happened in Celtic Park. We're, we're happy to bring in Eddie Howe and a cast of thousands. Yeah. And the big chap's on his own. Right? Yeah. And I don't know who makes the decisions at Celtic Park because there's a complete and utter lack of transparency. Mackay's away. Who's, who's, who's making the big decisions? You know, Tony said, oh, Ange would have to maybe go and ask. He shouldn't have to go and ask. You know, if we had a clever, forward-looking club, we know what we needed. Eddie Howe said we needed all these things. So Anne should have at least most of those things as well. Why isn't he getting all these things? It does make you wonder. point the finger that because we don't know who's making yeah, these decisions. Yeah, yeah, you but Jimmy accepted, he accepted the job on that basis then that he wasn't getting a cast of thousands in the background staff. You know, so you can't have it both ways, you know. So you must well, have asked you must have asked the question. Tony, it no. was a question I was going to put to Jim there, which is Jim, do you think the cast of thousands that Eddie Howe wanted was perhaps rejected by the club and that's maybe why he didn't take the, the post in, in the end up or Well I think we'll never know. I think like all these things we'll never know how these things work, but but the but the word on the street was Eddie Howe had the job on the understanding he had all these pals coming with him. Now those cast of thousands may have been about I don't know, eight, nine, ten people or whatever. But if the board or Peter Law or, or whoever it was at the time thought this is the way forward, then when we bring in whoever else and, and, and it's not Eddie Howe, surely they're thinking this is what this guy needs. He needs the same things. We can't just, you know, take the cheap option here and bring in this guy on his toads, you know, and put everything on him. And that's exactly what they've done. They put everything on the one guy. And it's so unfair. And because there's a lack of transparency, I don't know who to blame. Whether it's Don McKay left, I mean, think, that's the first thing I've been on since he left. Mm. What a shambles. What a shambles that is. You know, who gave I was him the to job? Get your thoughts on this, Jim. What do you think of that whole situation and, and the fact that he has left? Who gave him the job in the first place? How was, how was he? So was there an interview panel of Dermot Desmond and Bankier and Peter Law? And, and what if Bankier and Law voted two to one? Is that how we get the job? Did they know what this guy was like before he came in? And if he did, and if he did what they what they thought he was going to do, why did they get rid of him? Did he really leave or for personal reasons? And, and obviously, he must have signed one of these non-disclosure agreements, which always makes you dead suspicious. There's something to hide. Maybe it's a total and utter shambles. Total, and they're so out of touch with what's happening. And I'm sure you saw the the release the annual results this week. Yeah. Number one highlight that Ian Bankier thought in the last season was we were second in the SPL. How completely and utterly out of touch is that? Tony's a wordsmith. You pick your words carefully. You only have to write an annual report once a year. What's your biggest highlight, Ian? We were second in the league. Really? Is that what you're saying? So the guy who thought that was a good idea, did he play a major part in bringing in Don McKay? If he did, was that a good idea? So I just think the decision-making at the club has been appalling, not just last season, but for a good number of years. And I think we've been successful in spite of, rather than because of them. 
And I watched <laughs> the first time in a while, I watched a Champions League game the other week. I watched the PSG game just to see the kind of Messi, Mbappe, Neymar thing. And the thing about the first five minutes, the commentator said, uh, FC Bruges, this is the fourth successive season in the Champions League. I hope Law and Desmond are watching that and hanging their head in shame. Bruges, four years in a row in the Champions League. Why weren't we there? I think we know the answer to that. Two words to that, Jim. Sheriff Tiraspol from Moldova. I mean, just mean, they're in the Champions League A number so of teams, but, but you can't tell me that. Period, yeah. In that period where we won the quadruple treble, which is a success, of course it's a success, but every single competition, we were the favourites. We were the hot favourites to win that. But to qualify for the Champions League, four years on the spin, we should be doing that. And the team you just mentioned to, can't pronounce. Exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's just poor planning. It's poor decision making. It's poor management. It's poor everything. Imagine the chief executive leaving after seventy-two days. That's just that's just a shambles. And then big chap, big chap, he's on his own again. He doesn't even doesn't even have a chief executive to go and run things by. He's on his own again. And people are giving them pelters. Just cut the big guy some slack. Anyway. That's my rant over for today, Laura. Sorry. It's a, it was a wonderful rant, Jim, to be <laughs> fair. Uh, Thank yeah. you. We'll give, we'll, give, we'll give Jim a breather, Tony, and uh, we'll, we'll look ahead to the, the weekend. We've got Dundee United coming up. Um, another home game, which for us is a positive, but <laughs> we're going to be without Georgios Jakimakis, who obviously has had a bad run of luck and, and got injured in the warm-up. We were sitting in the post-match before that was announced last night, wondering why we hadn't seen him. Um, <laughs> given given that we're going to be short at the topic again at the weekend, what are you wanting to see from Celtic uh, playing against the United? What are you hoping is different from, from the outing against Livingston? Is there, is there something from the Wraith Rovers game that you hope we take forward? Do you know what I would maybe like to see? And I mentioned it earlier. I, I see a I was disappointed that Ajeti didn't score last night and he looked off it mm. against a championship team and that caused me great concern. So I actually thought I would play a badder through the middle. Right. See, he sees lightning reaction to that shot from Turnbull. That was a centre-forward reaction. Mm-hmm. We'll follow it in. And I think a badder has played through the middle before and I think he'd be, he could be a more natural centre-forward, and also he'd be a guy who would run onto things, so you could play through balls to him, you know, from the midfield. So I don't think it'd be the worst shout. I think Ajeti at times when he's just too static, mm. you know, and just, you know, people say he's a, a penalty bot or a six-yard box predator. Fine, I get that, but you have to give him service, you know, but he'll know, he'll know bust his hump trying to get it, and he'll know, you know, sometimes he does come looking, but other times, you know, He's quite happy just to drift out, drift out a match. You mm-hmm. know, so, and I just think if a badder could do kind of Kyogo, play on a shoulder, run through the middle, and also he he scored a couple of goals where he's shown lightning, sharp reactions. You know, uh, as a centre forward, he scored. I think he scored more European games, didn't he? When he mm-hmm. put it away, it was a rebound. They put it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I I would actually quite like to see that. You know, when I play Jota. And possibly Montgomery, where a bad I was, you know, just then, you know, which gives you still gives you a, a kind of front three that are of repute, you know, and could mm. score goals. To, to my knowledge, because I just I don't know. I, I think Ajeti's trying hard, but I just 
can't see it. You know, no, I guess Ross County, I mean, scored two good headers, but that apart, never really did anything else in the game. No. I know it's no, it's maybe criminal to say, but strikers are scored, uh, judged on scoring goals. I totally get that, but you're wanting a bit more. You can't be out the game for 70 odd minutes. You know, you just can't. But I just think that Abada would give you a, a decent option. And as Jim said, because uh, he was, his forum was dipping, being out wide. Mm. And again, last night, he didn't have a particularly great game, but, you know, I, I just thought that the header was pretty good. You know, lightning reflex, I mean, followed it in. You, you can't really teach that. That's instinctive. He's going to have a shot. I'm going to follow this in in case the goalkeeper parries it. Mm. He, you know, oh, there you go. He's parried it and bang. It's in the net in a split second. So things like that. I, you know, I, I don't really have a, an issue with Celtic playing at home. I just think they're, they're very good at home and it's the big, wide, expansive park and, you know, they usually play well. But Dundee United have already beaten Rangers, you know, a couple of decent results. The the new coach, Thomas Colts is uh, making a name for himself, you know. So, again, I go back to you have to earn the right to beat every opposition you play this season. And every team, if they're following Livingston's template, will try and make it difficult for you. So mm. you'll have to find a way of breaking them down. You know, but I think it's it's maybe easier at Celtic Park than it is uh, away grounds. It's, it's proven to be so far. And I liked McCarthy last night. I kind of thought, yep, that pass alone was worth the admission money cracking pass, you know, any Esther plays that, people are raving about it, you know, it was a it was a wonderful pick out, you know, just you know, a football brain in operation which he clearly has, you know yeah. so I'd like to see more of him and, and more of McCarthy do that kind of thing you know, and, I, and as Jim alluded to at the top of the programme, I want a settled back four Yeah, I'd maybe like to see the same guys play uh, you know, start the Dundee United game, which would which would then mean Cameron Carter, Vickers, Starfelt, Ralston and Juranovic, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would like them to start with that just for the second game running, just to get some kind of understanding. Yeah, it was, it was funny actually because I, I made a comment last night on, the, on I can't remember if it was half-time or before the match that that for me all I've seen uh, McCarthy do is pass sideways and, <laughs> and that was it and as is always the case with Celtic, they made a mug out of me by going and doing exactly what I criticised them for uh, before the match. But no, it, it was a fantastic pass. It was a fantastic goal. Um, Jim, looking at, I was just looking at the table there as Tony was talking. It's a difficult one to figure out because we're a point behind mm-hmm. uh, Dundee United, but our goal difference is plus 12 while theirs is minus one. There's obviously a chance there for us to score goals because they are conceding um, and maybe not scoring as freely as us. Do you think, you know, being at Celtic Park and everything that's gone before, even though they are above us in the league at the moment, we have a chance to really to really make a statement uh, on Sunday and, and get a result there? Uh, no, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot be... Come on, Jim, come on. Well, I think... I think... As you said, they're, they're a point ahead of us. They've been a good start to the season. Uh, they've, they've, they've beaten our major rivals, which has given us cause for optimism. Uh, this will be the toughest league game, I think, that we've had at home. I thought, I mean, if we had McGregor and Kyogo, different conversation. But I thought the Ross County game was 
was a kind of throwback to last season. Very pretty passing with not a lot of penetration up front. And we we got lucky with the goal. It's massive deflection and Joe Hart made the save. And I think if, if Joe Hart hadn't made that save and they went to one each, I don't think we had this, the strong mentality again to have come back and won the game. So mm. I was a bit concerned at the last game. Yeah, we're at home and we played a pretty pass and stuff like that. But And it's not a bad copy, Tony, but when a badder through the middle be bit of a balance in that there because... Any centre forward wants to run a games in the team. Mm-hmm. You know, a Yeti has done okay. You know, but he does look a bit off it. I think it looks a bit off it all the time, basically. <laughs> uh, but a badder through the middle is not a bad call. What does that do to a Yeti's confidence then? I think it'll be tough on Sunday. I think we'll win, but I think it'll be, it'll be a lot tougher than the games that we've had before. Hopefully not. Hopefully we do get to make, make a statement. But the fact that they're, you know, doing well in the league this year shows that they're always doing something right. And obviously they're a, they had a game plan when they beat the major rivals early in the season so come to Celtic Park we're thinking a game plan as well but uh, I think it'll be tight but I think it'll win yeah, yeah. 2-1 3-1 something like that um, John McVeigh making a good point in, in YouTube we need to start scoring more goals than the opposition that would be a start John that is how you win football matches so we'll, we'll try and do that um, Lanky67 again on YouTube thinks we'll win 2-1 on Sunday Will McMillan on YouTube thinks we'll win 4-0 uh, on Sunday so there's there's a various um, various different uh, opinions coming through and we love to hear it get your comments in uh, from wherever you're watching on Twitch, YouTube uh, Twitter, Facebook uh, and let us know your thoughts on what the score is going to be on Sunday. Um, don't forget as well, you can also subscribe to a State of Mind uh, YouTube channel, which um, will get you notifications. Uh, the subscription button, pressing that doesn't cost you anything, but what it does is get you notifications whenever we go live or whenever a new video goes up on YouTube. So if you get subscribed, I believe um, the last time I spoke to the boss, around 65% of the people who watch this channel are actually not subscribed. So if you're one of those people, we'd really appreciate it if you did press that button. doesn't cost you anything and you can get notifications whenever we go live. We've not got just football content. We've got um, ex-footballer interviews. We've got music and fashion shows and we've got lots of new things coming up in the future. So if you get subscribed, you'll not miss out on any of that. Um, the last 15 minutes of the show, I wanted to talk to you guys about um, a certain Mr. Henry Larson who turned 50 this week. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it made me feel particularly old uh, to hear that. But um, he, uh, yeah, certainly for my lifetime, the greatest Celtic player I've ever seen, probably the greatest Celtic player I ever will seen. Uh, uh, Tony, I'll come to you first. Sorry. Um, Henry Larson, continue. <laughs> he was the only foreigner voted in the greatest ever Celtic 11 in a night in in Glasgow that tells you all you need to know and I've said before and I wrote it in the book that in the last 25 years or 30 years two players brought unbridled joy to the Celtic supporters and I mean joy Lubomir Moravchik was one Henrik Larson was the other mm. you know 242 goals in 315 games ingrained in my mind, right? Those stats will never leave me, ever. And and when I when I was asked to describe every goal, I thought at first, I can't do this. this uh, no, that's t- it's too many. You see going through it in the games that you were at or you might have worked at, it just came back to you in a, in a blinding flash. And I, I had to actually break that down into 
days, right? So I would key in a date, you know, like the Saturday to the Sunday, to see if you keyed in Henrik Larson in like a month. You broke the... It was like too many mentions. So I had to... And I eventually had to break it down into hours, right? Like going from like Saturday into the early hours of Sunday morning, stuff like that. That's how I did it. And that's how I... And I... I actually, there was one goal that was missing and it was a, a goal against St. Pat's and a qualifier mm-hmm. uh, in the Champions League in Ireland. And when I got to the end of it all, I got 241 and I knew he'd scored 242 and I was nearly in tears and had to go through every season and, and, and I found it, thankfully. But, you know, it's a colossal total. He is the best foreign footballer that's ever played in Scotland. You cannot deny that or argue that. Rangers fans will say it was loud up or Gascoigne. Well, Gascoigne the foreign, sorry, but you know, probably Brian Loudrop, but Brian Loudrop wasn't there that long. He was there what three years, I think. Mm-hmm. Last time was there for seven years, you know, and his record speaks for itself. The moniker, the King of Kings, you know, and I think the Celtic supporters, there's that horrible footage when he holds up the medal in Seville. I didn't come here for this in yeah. a few years. A few years later, he picks up the European Cup with Barcelona and every supporter, Celtic supporter celebrated that night because they felt as if they'd won it. They were on that journey with them. And then they cut to Thierry Henry and, he's, and he asks an interview and he said, we never lost to Barcelona, we lost to Henrik Larsson. <laughs> I didn't see Ronald, Ronaldinho, I didn't see Eto'o. I saw Henrik Larsson. You know, and his contribution coming off the bench, setting up two goals. You know, just the consummate professional the ultimate team player and, as you say, the best footballer, Celtic player of our generation, my generation, without a shadow of a doubt. And uh, he just brings a smile to your face because you just go through the roller decks in your mind of the goals and uh, you can see him running through Chipping Claus, you can see him mm. at Ticket Tyne Castle, all these things. And, and what they do in the Celtic supporters, they... You just make you smile and you're always thankful. Not that it ended, you're thankful that it happened. And for 650 grand, it's a deal, it's a steal. It was a sale of the century, it really was. I I omitted the the swear word there, as you probably gathered, but uh, (laughs) you know, you, you cannot think about Henrik Larson and not smile and just, you know, you're 50. Yeah, you just say, happy birthday, Henrik, and I hope you're still basking in the glory of the fact that you played for some wonderful teams and give, gave every Celtic supporter some wonderful, wonderful memories. He absolutely did that. And before I give some of my memories of Henrik Larson, Jim, I'll come to you. You've seen a lot of Celtic players over the years. Where does Henrik Larson rank for you amongst those? A Rolodex for younger viewers was... <laughs> He <laughs> <laughs> was no bad, Larson. No, he's not bad. Uh, I think, as Tony said, there to pick him up for 650 grand was the steal of the century, definitely. Uh, that's what I like about football it's all these wee things that happened. What would have happened if we didn't get Larson? You know, because he could quite easily went to a number of clubs. And the reason we got Larson is we had Janssen. Mm. What did he get Janssen? You know, all, all these sliding doors kind of stuff. Uh, I talked to Elliot about being mentally tough. He has, he's a guy who's, you know, at the top of that level in terms of being mentally tough. Uh, to come back from the leg break, and he got, it was a horrendous leg break. And he's, yeah. you know, kind of, 
at the time it was just kind of angle couldn't stop you know so to come back for that and to to go on and score as many goals as he did is, is, is testament to his mental strength because we've had such a horrendous light break that's always in the back of your mind and I always remember the first game he came back through Celtic and he had 50-50 and he came out with the ball and you thought Henrik's back uh, the highlight certainly Seville ah, yeah, because uh, I was fortunate to be there and when Henrik scored the first goal you thought I'm at a European final and we've scored a goal and Henrik scored it and he pops up and does it again uh, ah, you've got nothing but fantastic memories of Larson and uh, Again, you know, before last, I'm trying to think, did we have, did we have many foreign players at all? I'm trying to think, what oh, you, Tony? You, you know better than me. Eh, that's a good question, isn't it? I'm trying to think. Didn't have many, but if, if he was one of the first ones we had, then I think George Cadet, obviously, Decani on them, I'm not thinking they are. But <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a fairly new thing. Yeah, for him, for him to come in, phenomenon, recent phenomenon, to, and to make the impact that he did, to score the goals that he did, to stay on for the length of time that he did, when he had offers to go to bigger and better clubs, no matter what Celtic fans think, there are bigger and better clubs out there, and he hung on for the seven years. Uh, I was just surprised that uh, you didn't make his greet there, Tony, because I was all kind of held <laughs> myself up to you know, what we're going to say after Tony. This was okay, actually. It was fine. Uh, that's the talk. It's because uh, it was a happy memory, you know. Happy, <laughs> happy yeah. memories. Uh, yeah. Very few players you would see are legends. Larson's a legend. Yeah. He is absolutely a legend. And to, to that end, my memories of Marble, I was 10 years old when he signed for us and I was 17 when he left. So... You know, you don't get many more formative years in your life than that that decade where you're you go from being a pre teenager to, to almost ready to go out and drink and be merry with your pals, you know. So Henrik Larson really signifies for me the the time at which perhaps you know, I I'm still obsessed with Celtic, but perhaps you're more obsessed with your football team than you are at any other point in your life and I think the thing that for me that Larson brings is a, a point of pride in that I can sit here and say I was a little bit too young to see McStay at his peak and uh, obviously anybody that came before that, Tommy Burns, uh, Roy Aitken, back to the Quality Street gang with, with Doug Leash and then back to the Lisbon Lions and all that. You used to sit there, I remember up to the year of being 10 years old when we hadn't won a league and that kind of thing, and you would hear your, your grandparents and your aunts and uncles talking about the Lisbon Lions and the great teams of the 70s and 80s that we had, and you felt like you couldn't be part of that conversation because you didn't have that hero, you didn't have that one player that even they would look at and go, oh, aye, he's up there with the best of them. And then Henrik Larson came along and you could sit and say, I went to the games that Henrik Larson played at. I remember watching him play and I can say to, to you know, the next generation coming up in my family, well, I can be a bit patronising about it the way my <laughs> elders were to me and say, ah, he's good, but he's no Henrik Larson, that kind of thing. Um, and, and one thing that always stands out to me that I've never seen anybody do before or since was he used to always do this bend and run along the line of the defence where he would be in an offside position, he would come in behind the centre-backs and just curve it out again between one of the centre-backs and the wing-back, timed the run perfectly and always had, obviously, passers of the likes of Lambert, Petrov, 
Sutton to flick the ball on, that kind of thing. He, he, he timed these runs absolutely perfectly. And I think as much as he's finishing, that kind of skill was as much of a reason why he got the numbers of goals that he did. Uh, and I have to say, I've I've only ever cried after one football match in my life because of the result, and that was that was Seville. As I always say, Celtic fans hated Jose Mourinho before it was cool, and uh, I'll never forget it. But I remember watching Henry Larson with that medal, and you know, if it was any other player in the world, I'd be saying, "I got over it." You know, you're you're just being spoiled. You're being a bad loser. You're being this and that. But the pain in his voice when he held that medal up and said, I didn't come here for this, it was real. And you knew he was playing not only for his own pride, but for the pride of all the Celtic supporters, the thousands of Celtic supporters who had made it to Seville and the thousands that were watching back home. Mm. And Laura, he was that anointed, you didn't think that he wasn't going to get a hat-trick that night and win the game for Celtic? Mm. Yeah. That That's the way you thought. The minute he made it to each, you thought, even when Celtic went down to 10 men, there was not a part of me that thought Henrik will bail us out here, you know. They didn't think they wasn't going to bail us out. He'll score a hat-trick, Celtic were going to win that. So it's only when the final whistle went and Celtic had lost because I just refused to believe that Henrik wouldn't score a hat-trick. Well, to, to be to be I, I think also, I think also, really big players turn up in really big games. And he mm. did. And if half of the rest of the team yeah, yeah, yeah. had they got believe to near Henrik's level, would yeah. have won the game no bother. Uh, it's the fact that he he was just literally head and shoulders above everyone else on the park, either team. And it's just a shame that we, it's just a shame we didn't have another, yeah, yeah. you know, four or five players that maybe had a, you know, six or seven out of ten as opposed to four or five out of ten. But hey ho, yeah. Laura, you were talking about the runs and the bending runs and stuff, and I did a feature for the Celtic Way, and it was seven defenders that played against Larson, mm-hmm. and to a man, they said. He was impossible to mark because he vanished into thin air. They had him, and they would look, and they would like they would in a blinking of an eye, he was gone, and they would just say there was nobody better. They have never, they they said he was a phenomenon. They have they've never came across a better striker who could lose you in a packed penalty area as much as Henrik Larson could, and he just said he was an absolute genius. And he, sometimes they had to just bow to that. The fact that he was a he was a football genius, really. Wasn't he that good at penalties? But apart from that, <laughs> uh, he missed a couple, didn't he? But yeah, uh, uh, but not, as well. Li- listen, I think I think there's there's a there's a bunch of things. You know, there's the iconic dreadlocks that he had, and and that kind of thing, and the 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 tongue out celebration. The the biggest regret I have as a Celtic fan was. And, and I sometimes separate these two things because of the change in manager and the change in kit and all that and thinking they're, they're further apart than they were. But Cadet left, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Cadet left and Larson signed within months of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the idea that we could have seen a portion of time yeah, where yeah, those yeah. two overlapped, it just would have absolutely been... I can't think of another strike force that would have scored as many goals as freely as those two. And you know, also as well, Laura, one of my favourite Larson goals isn't actually for Celtic, it's the diving header for Sweden. Mm-hmm. That he scored in, I think it was the Euros. And what a header. I don't think I've ever seen anyone launch themselves at a football like that and know exactly what they're doing and where it's going. It's it's a, an astonishing header. I saw a clip of it the other day and I, and I watched it for about five minutes on a loop. Because I was just sat there and I'm like, 
how did he do that? You know, it's yeah. just like it was an astonishing goal, you know, and that and of all the goals he scored for Celtic and, and there's many, but that one also sticks out in my mind. It was it was, it was a fantastic piece of skill. Yeah, no, Jim. Just to just to close out the conversation, you know, obviously we would have loved Henrik Larsson to stay for for many more years, but but there's a bit of me that takes a lot of pride. Tony touched on the performance for for Barcelona. He got, he got a fantastic send off when he left there. He obviously the loan spell at Man United. There's a bit of me that takes a lot of pride from the performances he put in for Barcelona and Man United because I think it did vindicate a lot of what we said about Larson to a lot of other football fans who maybe poo-hooed what we were saying because he was playing in the Scottish League. Do you think he's as appreciated as a world-class player like by other fans as, as we would like him to be? I don't think we need to justify anything. I mean, I think, uh, as I mentioned, I think the, the longevity, the seven years particularly from a player not from Scotland. I mean, uh, and you get to go back to McStay, I suppose. Again, he's Scottish, maybe they'll wish. That's all we had. Players that, who, who put a good, good level, who stayed for a length of time. Uh, so I don't think, you know, I, we knew how good Larson was. And I just, as I said, I'm astonished that he said that long because once he did leave and he achieved what he achieved, I suppose if, if you're Larson, you might think, maybe I should have left earlier. You know, mm. What if I missed out? You know, I could have won two or three of these Champions Leagues. You maybe stayed too long, but we were lucky to have him. You know, and that's and that's the punchline of the story. We were lucky to have him, and and the day that he played his last game, and he was in tears. I think we were all in tears that day. <laughs> Didn't he need Tony Haggerty to help us that day? No, uh, oh, no, no. And we knew that a legend was about to leave, and I think it's just astonishing that we had him for seven years, given how good he was, given that Sweden tended at that point in time, tend to qualify from the Euros and the World Cup. He was the main guy. He scored some great goals, as Tony just mentioned. But we managed to keep him. Astonishing. Scored twice against Dundee United on yeah. his final appearance, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Make his great, Tony, on you go. Make his great. No, 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 just no, 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 Bottom line, it's, uh, mm. as Laura says, you you have the privilege of saying you witnessed a world class footballer at his peak. Yeah, you know? I was at the uh, was it his last Scottish Cup final was against Infermline and that Infermline. that yellow yeah. kit and he, he scored in that one. So I was at that game and and that sticks out in my sticks out. Should be yellow. I was green kit, wasn't it? The old it was green. green. Kit. That's it. The green with the silver shorts. That's yeah. it. Uh, get get yeah. mixed up between those two sometimes, but that yeah, that's the one. He us out a hole that day as well, didn't he? He did as indeed, as as he did many a time. I don't know if we'd have lost one 0 to Livingston if we'd Henrik Larson in our team <laughs> last Sunday, but that's wishful thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, Tony and Jim. Happy birthday, happy fiftieth, Henrik. Here's to many more happy years, and thank you to everybody watching on a Celtic State of Mind. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, keep commenting. We love to hear from you, and we'll see you again on Sunday for the match coverage against Dundee United. Thanks very much.
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.